I'd like to speak this morning on healing. And I am embarrassed to say, I don't remember the last time I've spoken on it. I used to preach on it all the time years ago, back when I first started preaching. We're going to focus on healing primarily from the book of Matthew. The notes are in your Bible. I forgot to leave the blanks blank, so the blanks are already filled in. <laughs> Jesus is the healer. And so we're going to just observe by reading some Scripture several different things about His healing ministry. Number one, Jesus healed all kinds of sickness and disease. Everybody say all. all. He healed all kinds. Not just the psychosomatic stuff. He healed accident victims. He healed birth defects. He healed uh, the weak. He healed all kinds of things. Matthew 4.23 says that Jesus went about all Galilee, that's a region around this lake, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Samaria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed epileptics and paralytics, and He healed them all. Matthew 15.30 says, Then great multitudes came to Him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and He healed them. So the multitude marveled, when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus went about everywhere in the region of Galilee and Israel, teaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and issuing the commands of the kingdom, which are all built on the two great commands, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. He elevated in those commands. He elevated the Ten Commandments. We don't live under the Ten Commandments. We live under the Commander, Jesus. He elevated all the Ten Commandments. We're not to steal. We're not to want to steal. <laughs> We're not to covet. We're to be glad that God has blessed our brother. That whole thing with the rich young ruler, was was he was a guy who hadn't broken any of the Ten Commandments. But in his heart, he coveted his own stuff. And the Lord raised a level of that command and said, hey, give what you have away to the poor and come follow me. Count Zinzendorf was a rich young ruler who did that very thing and started a movement called the Moravians. Missionaries went all over the world. They were radical people. The Moravians were known to be so radical to get into a culture with the Gospel, they'd sell themselves into slavery to be able to go into that country to be a witness to the slaves in that country. Radical people. Count Zinzendorf in Germany started a prayer meeting that went on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for over a 100 years. Who knows you can't outgive God? So a, there is a rich young ruler in church history, Count Zinzendorf. He was a, he was a German count who took the Lord up on that command, and we are blessed as a result of it. The Moravians had an impact on John Wesley's life. May all the, Wesley, may all the Wesleyans, the Methodists in the house say, thank the Lord for, for Count Zinzendorf. 
So as he gave these commands, the crowds would notice his authority, begin to take note of them, and then he would begin to heal them. I think there is a key between healing, receiving healing, receiving what we need from the Lord, between our receiving and our recognition of his authority, making him Lord of every area of our life, enables us to receive the benefit of his lordship. Number two, let's look at some other healings. Jesus healed problems that were demonic. Can we say demonic? There are some physical sicknesses and then there are some sicknesses that have a spiritual cause to them. Matthew 12.22 says, There was one brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. So this guy couldn't see or speak and it was related to being demon-possessed. The Lord healed him. Matthew 17, 18, the Lord Jesus rebuked, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. This was a kid that had seizures that was related to demonic activity in the kid's life. I'm not saying all seizures are demonic. I'm just saying in this kid's life, there was a demonic, demonic root to this. The Lord rebuked the demon, came out of him, and the child was cured from his seizures. Number three, Jesus showed his willingness to heal by doing so. This story is related in, all, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Everybody say willingness. The Lord is willing to heal his people. Number four, Jesus fulfilled prophecy by healing the sick. Matthew 8.16 When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. If you could go with me to Isaiah 53, it's the passage that Matthew is quoting. I want you to notice something. Isaiah 53 is well-known passage, prophecy about Jesus the Messiah, his coming and bearing our sins and dying on the cross for us and taking our punishment upon himself. Isaiah 53, verse 4, says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Literally, the Hebrew says, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, this is a passage that Matthew is quoting here in Matthew 8.16. They brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out their spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. According to Matthew, who's writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, what the Lord meant when he inspired Isaiah to write that the Lord has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, he meant that the Lord, the Messiah, would bring healing. Everybody say, the Messiah would bring healing. That's literally what he means. Sickness is a cause of great sorrow, and it's a cause of grief. If you die of it, your friends and loved ones have to go through a season of mourning. And here it says the Lord takes these things. Now, some would say Jesus fulfilled that prophecy there in Matthew 8.16. Already fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled Isaiah 53.4 in Matthew 8.16. is already fulfilled. So, no longer any promise of healing from Isaiah 53. Really? Jesus must not, must not have known that because in Matthew 15, He continues doing the same thing. In Matthew 8, um, Matthew 12, He continues doing the same thing. Look at this. But when Jesus knew it, He withdrew from there and great multitudes followed Him. Matthew 12, 15 and he healed them all. Yet he warned them to, not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice. And in his name Gentiles will trust. Look with me at Isaiah 42. Another prophecy about Jesus. Verse 1, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. This is the Father talking. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. This is about Jesus. Look at verse 1 again. I have put my spirit upon him. In another gospel, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 as saying he was a fulfillment of that. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to set captives free to give sight to the blind, to bind up the wounds of the hurting, to heal the brokenhearted. So I personally believe that when Christ fulfills the messianic prophecies, they are like a door that opens and stays open. Amen? The same Holy Spirit the same Jesus is alive today and the same gospel of the kingdom still stands, the same commands of Christ still stands, and the same promises are available for us to ask for. Number five, Jesus proved his power to forgive sins by healing 
sinners. This is an awesome story. Behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. It's also related to Mark 2 and Luke 5. Now in doing healings, Jesus was revealing who he was. He was revealing the prophecies that were now going to be opened, begin to be fulfilled. He was revealing his power over demons. He was revealing the fact he was the Son of God. And that he had the authority to forgive sins. Does he still have the authority to forgive sins? Yes. And he's still proving that he has the authority to forgive sins. Is he still the Son of God? Yes. And he's still proving that he's the Son of God. Now, he did a lot of miracles and healings in his ministry. The book of John chapter 20 and also 21 lets us know that everything Jesus did was not written. That if it was, the world couldn't handle the books that would be written. But from what we see from the Gospels, the things he did, he did things differently. One guy, he spat on him. Another guy, he made mud with his spit and rubbed it in his eyes and healed him. Uh, he, he, he used more than one method. And here's an example of someone touching his clothes and being healed. Matthew 9.20 says, Suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If I may touch his garment... I shall be made whole. But when Jesus turned around, when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. That story is also related in Luke. That's not the only place people touched his clothes and were healed. Look at Matthew 14.35. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As many as touched it were made perfectly well. well the power is in clothes, it was in Jesus. And he used his clothes to bring healing to people. He just did something different. But exercising his power wasn't just to prove who he was. wasn't just to show that he had the power to forgive sins. It wasn't just to fulfill prophecy. It's because he cared about people. And he still cares today. Look at number seven. Jesus had compassion for healing people. Matthew 9.35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. So he cared about people. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and healed their sick. Compassion is more than sympathy. It's more than pity. It's defined as sorrow for the misfortune of another accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain and remove the cause. That's compassion. Just feeling sorry for someone doesn't go far enough. Compassion takes it a step further and attempts to do something about it. Jesus' brother James said, if you see a brother hungry or naked or in need, don't say, be blessed, be warmed, be filled, and go on your way. But do what you can to meet the need of that person. Faith without works is dead. And so Christ cared for hurting people, and He did what He could to minister to them. Number eight, He gave His disciples healing power and commanded them to use it. This is one of His commands. Matthew 10.1, when He called His twelve disciples to them, to Him He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Verse 7, He said, As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So He gives them power, then He commands them to use it. And they did. And after His death, burial, and resurrection, ascending to heaven, sending the Holy Spirit, bringing the church into being in the book of Acts, these guys continued to exercise this power the Lord had, been give, had given them. And others who were not part of the twelve, weren't even in the picture, like the Apostle Paul and others, used healing power as God willed in their lives and their ministries. Now you may be thinking, duh, this is like kindergarten. We already know this. Well, just stay with me. We're building a little foundation here. All right, number nine may stretch some of your thinking. The Great Commission included everything Jesus commanded. Look at this. Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven apostles went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. So His rising from the dead did not decrease His power. The Father now has given Him all authority. He's fulfilled the Father's will. Now everything's been given into His hands in terms of authority. Therefore go, or go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. The end of the book of Matthew. Mark and Luke also end with their rendition of Christ's last words. 
Great Commission Scriptures. The book of Mark ends with these words, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. He, obviously or she, who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he or she who does not believe will, not, will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. They'll take up serpents. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. And they will speak with new tongues. Luke ends, ends with his words telling them that repentance and the remission of sins is going to be preached all over the world, starting at Jerusalem. But first, wait until you're endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 picks up where Luke left off, written by the same guy. He tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the power. And he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses throughout the earth. Part of that power is to demonstrate the reality of Jesus through healing. Some have bemoaned the fact, and, and, uh, and I have too sometimes in the past, why aren't more people healed? Well, I think we see more people healed than we're giving God credit for in our culture. But I think the cutting edge of the power of God is all about advancing the kingdom. It's just not making me healthy, wealthy, and wise so I can sit on my duff and wait on the rapture. The power flows with the will of God. It's as He wills. Amen? And so, out there on the cutting edge of what God is doing, evangelizing the lost, whether they're in this city or in other countries, you will see a larger percentage of people healed in your ministry than you will just being a bench warmer. So I encourage you, when you run across an unbeliever that is ill, ask if you can pray for them. Pray in faith expecting God to do something on their behalf, and you will be amazed. Now, just as Jesus used different methods in healing people, sometimes casting out demons, sometimes using His garment, other things, there are different ways for us to receive healing. So, if we're sick, if I'm sick, if anyone's sick, I encourage you to pursue the Lord for your healing. And it can come through repentance, some issue in your life. Not saying that all sickness is caused by sin, but some can be. You can open the door of the enemy to harass you physically or in some way. Reconcile with those that you may be separated from. Here's, here's possible avenues to healing gleaned from Matthew. Reconciliation. Matthew 5.27. This is a command of Jesus. He said, if you come to bring your gift to the altar and there remember your brother has aught with you, leave your gift there, go and make things right, and then come back and, off and offer your gift. It's important that we walk in peace and unity and harmony with each other. In 1 Corinthians 11, when he's talking about communion, 
He's taught Paul is writing about the unity of the body, discerning the Lord's body. He said, because some have not discerned the Lord's body, they've gone to an early grave. They've died prematurely. When you discern something, you understand it and you value it. When we discern the Lord's body, I understand that my most difficult brother to get along with is my brother in the Lord. And I must walk in peace with him as much as I have the ability to. So if I'm being hard to get along with, I could be hindered from receiving healing in my life. Not judging. The scriptures tell us not to judge. Which means don't condemn. Don't be harsh in your assessment of people and their problems. You do that, you'll reap the same thing. Some on the extreme end of healing teaching have become judgmental. Well, he died because there must have been something wrong. Or their baby died because there was error in their life. Man, better be careful with that stuff. Never step beyond the sphere God has ordained for you. Well, you just don't have enough faith. Jesus said you had faith like a grain of mustard seed. You can move mountains. There's more to this thing than just having enough faith. Having faith is important. He never said if you had faith like a walnut, you could really do big things. He just said like a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Being persistent in your asking. Ask, seek, and knock, and you will receive. Just don't give up. Right beliefs. Having the right beliefs. Look at Matthew 13. Unbelief is caused by wrong belief. Matthew 13, 58. He's in his hometown of Nazareth. And they just couldn't receive him for who he was. Who does he think he is? Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works? Don't we know his mother and his brothers and his sisters? And they became offended at him. Just didn't believe in him for who he was. And verse 58 says, Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief doesn't mean you're not believing anything. They, they were believing something. It was just incorrect. And because of that, it said Jesus did not do very many mighty works there. Another one of the Gospels says He healed a few sick people. He did not. They did not receive the blessings He had for them because of wrong believing. Unbelief. Or look at 17. Verse 19, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could not we cast it out? Someone had brought them a sick child that had a demon, and the Lord cured him, and the disciples had failed. Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will be moved. And however, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Sometimes my beliefs are corrected through prayer and fasting, just spending time with the Lord. 
communing with Him, allowing Him to correct my beliefs. Maybe you have formed an opinion because of a disappointment. The Scriptures say not to be wise. Romans 12, don't be wise in your own opinion. Be real careful about crystallizing your opinions because of a failure of some sort to see healing take place. There's more to this thing than our little minds can understand. So just boldly declare Jesus is the healer. Lay hands on the sick and believe they'll recover. And if somebody dies, man, leave that with God. We're called just to be obedient. Everybody Jesus healed in the Gospels eventually did die. So just trust Him. Let Him be God and we be obedient doing our part. Well, I don't like to be disappointed, so it's more comfortable for me to believe Jesus just doesn't heal anybody. No more. Really, is that more comfortable? To take hope away? Faith away? To discount those who are healed? Do you have to answer all questions before you believe anything? No. We're sitting in this room enjoying air conditioning, and the majority of us here does not understand everything there is to understand about air conditioning, and yet we're enjoying it. Eric Gomez could tell us some things about it, couldn't you, Eric? But anyway, Aaron might could tell us some things from what Eric told him. But the point is, having all the answers isn't necessarily faith. Faith is trusting God no matter what. Humility is a key to receiving the Scriptures bear out in more than one place. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Sometimes my pride hinders me from walking in what God has for me. Walking in agreement with others. Forgiveness. So let me just wrap it up with one statement. Jesus heals today. And there are several ways we can receive the benefit of Him healing. One way is to pray for people that have the same problem you have. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Praying for others. Getting your eyes off of others. I know Jesus heals today because of what I've seen. In the early days of our church, there was a family that was part of the very beginnings of our church, the Nunn family. Finley and Karen Nunn. How many know them? They have two sons, Dale and Pryor. Pryor's their eldest son had problems with his heart as a kid, as a little kid, and had to have a pacemaker installed back in the days when pacemakers were the size of a little transistor radio. And this thing was under his skin. It stuck out. And uh, when he had to have that installed, Finley was just heartbroken because he just knew God was going to heal his son. And there he had to have it anyway. So it caused him to rethink his healing theology. And he decided, him and Karen decided, we're just going to trust God. That we, we laid hands on him and he is going to recover. The day came when the pacemaker didn't work anymore. So the doctor said, well, it must be broken or something. And so we are going to replace it with a much smaller one, less obtrusive. So they replaced it with a smaller one. And it stopped working too. It wasn't working as often. Well, they said, now these things are programmed to only work when they're needed. Make a long story short, prior didn't have one anymore. God's good. 
At Wendy's is a little lady. She works there. Full-time worker named Linda Montgomery. She was healed in our church in the summer of 2000 of hepatitis C. That's serious stuff. Zane, our son, is is going through EMT training and he's he has to do five 12-hour shifts with an ambulance service. He did his second 12-hour shift yesterday. They had six calls. Three of them, three of his calls were dealing with people that were dying from hepatitis C. Serious stuff. So anytime I ask, anytime I see Linda, I say, hey, how's your health? She says, great, great. Jesus still heals. He's good for our health. November 10th, 2003, Newsweek magazine did an article on prayer and healing. And you know how skeptical these guys are. But they determined that people who did not attend church in America were expected to die before they were 75 on average. People who attended church less than weekly have a medium death age or an average death age of 80. People who attend church once per week, it goes up to 82. More than once a week, it goes up to 83. Hey guys, it's good for your health. <laughs> All the quarterly attenders, you want an extra three years? Put in the Newsweek. Church going promotes healthy habits. Weekly attenders are more likely to make positive changes in their life. They're 131% more likely to be less, de less, de less depressed, 78% more likely to quit smoking, 54% more likely to do exercise, and 39% more likely to stop drinking. So just living by Christ's commands is good for your health. But I believe also he heals the sick. I, I uh, have seen it in my own life. I remember I was 13 years old. My mother was diagnosed with crippling arthritis. I mean, we were freaked out. Oh, my God. Mother of four, we just returned home from the mission field and got hit with this. And on a Tuesday night, we had a guest preacher. It was my father's first cousin, my second cousin, but we called him Uncle Wayne Mitchell. He was one of those screaming preachers. Wore a bow tie. Everybody put your shoulder to the wheel was one of his lines by getting involved with God. And in that service, she received healing prayer and danced all over the front of that church. And to this day, does not have any arthritis. I mean, you all have seen her. She gets around quite well. They're in, they travel all over the world and she just turned 70. So I know the Lord heals. Lord heals big things. I know He heals small things. Has anyone here been healed? It's early. Would you like to hear some healing testimonies? Aaron, were you healed when you got saved? Could you come and let's start with Aaron. He wasn't even asking for healing prayer. He just came to get saved and listen to what happened to him. And if we could just have about Seven or eight people just line up behind Aaron right now, right quick. Just go ahead and get out of your chairs and come and tell people what the Lord has done. Yes. Well, um, when I first got saved, uh, or before I was saved, uh, I always struggled with uh, allergies. Like I had them really bad, like 
my nose was always stuffed up, and it was just for, it was usually during the summers when I was, um, I already had my allergies. Well, you can look at me now, I have no allergies. My eyes are red, that's Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was in an automobile accident December the 26th and broke my ankle. And uh, had to have pins put in it, surgery and all that. It took me about three months of therapy to get on my feet, but uh, healed real quickly. Got strength in my body quickly, and uh, uh, I had so many people praying for me, and I'm so thankful to them for their everybody's visits, and and uh, that meant a lot. <laughs> And I just thank God for all of you and for God's healing power and prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. For about 10 years, I have had some pain in my body. At first, it started just intermittently, and lately, it escalated to where it was all the time. Even the medication that I was taking wasn't effective. Last Sunday, when Pastor Alvin was preparing us for communion, he said, There's great power in receiving communion in small groups and praying for each other. I'm not having any cancer. Thank you, Lord. Jesus has healed me many, many times. One thing uh, that's been fairly recent is um, my feet. I um, was a young girl and loved to dance. And I grew up dancing. And mother and father loved to dance. And I was brought up in the Methodist church, and we didn't dance in that church. I'd gone to the Baptist church and different churches, and the Lord brought me higher and higher to higher levels. And I worked as a physical therapist for many years and walked. People constantly walk, and I love to walk. And within the last three years, God has healed my feet completely. The first time that He touched them, I had gone to the doctor, and I, one of my feet particularly had nerve damage. And they said I was going to have an operation, and it was the only way that um, I was going to be free from discomfort in my feet. And, I just went home and said, no, it's not it, Lord. I know it's not what you want for my life. Begin to pray and God be with And today I can dance. And I believe you're going to see more of it. And I'm excited. Because in 2002, I'm standing at the I was in shopping for it. 
Jesus is much more powerful than that. Much, much more. I was diagnosed in June of 2003 with breast cancer. And the prognosis was very good for me. It was an extremely large tumor that ended up with me destroying. And it was very, very painful. And I don't know why the Lord didn't heal me immediately. I've been praying for a long time before that. I had a year before I went to see a doctor. And uh, they all just shook their heads. They did a bone marrow aspiration and it's horrible. Barbaric. I hope nobody ever went to heaven. They just knew because it was so hard to do that it had already gotten into my bones and now they just continued to And then I went back, they said, well, it's not in your bones. And I'm going, well, thank the Lord, that's what we're praying. <laughs> and every time I went, you know, I don't mind have chemotherapy and all of that. God knows why He allowed me to go through all of that. But um, I kept on, and I still don't go on anymore. And I still think on Because He did bring me through, and every time I went, they said, We can't believe it's responding so fast, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, every time I said, Well, pray for more, it's time we're praying. And one day I said that, and my oncologist said, how did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he brought me through. He sent me to cancer treatment center. They wanted to do, when they got through chemotherapy, they wanted to do more chemotherapy. Right? And I just said, you know, I just believed him, but that was the end of chemotherapy. And I wasn't going to have to have more. My daughter, who's been trying to talk to me about cancer treatment, and I was going to have to have more. So I talked to him and called him and they decided but I didn't need him working on it. I did radiation. And I'm cancer free today by the power of God. I'm not very good talking in front of people, so. Um, my name is Veronica, and I've been through a lot of unusual things in my life. My strongest testimony of faith was a couple years ago. I was a nurse manager at Health Palace. I was in a bad car accident where I was paralyzed by the way. Um, I was that way for a year. Um, I had to take care of my family still as far as finances. 
I needed to get back to work. I needed to go back to nursing. Well, I couldn't do that um, and be on the medications that I was on. So I chose every ultimate way that I could as far as therapy to be able to make myself better. And basically, with the support of my family and the Lord behind me, I was strong and I made myself better to where I learned how to walk. I started from square one and being in the machines where they took you for hours and, you know, learned the best way how to walk and living in pain. After about a year, I went back to work um, nursing. I did home health nursing. They had given my job away, um, of course, in Dallas, but I went back home health nursing. Still in constant pain. A year later, I was um, coming home from a patient's home on 51 and got in another car accident, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my Lord, why? And I was just totally careful. And the ambulance got there. Of course, my husband got there right away, and we got got me into the ambulance and they're looking at me checking me out and I said, how are you doing? I said, okay, my back's not hurting. <laughs> and they're looking at me like I'm totally crazy. And I'm like, you don't understand. I'm in constant pain all of the time and my back is not hurting. Well, the Lord healed me. And I'm now to where I'm 37, so don't say I'll do a back pain, but I think I should have gone with it. <laughs> so, you know, that is probably one of the strongest testimonies that I have with my faith is that, I, you know, there's times that I don't necessarily listen to what the Lord is telling me. He's got to kind of knock me down just a little bit to make a look up. But, you know, I have had him with me constant through the things in my life. And without him, I know that today I will not be walking. About eight months ago, I was uh, coming out. I stepped up to that first speed. My back, I mean, I couldn't hurry me either, but I insisted on flying. So I stepped up to the team, and I couldn't bend over for my ball and I told my boy, John Perkins, I said, man, I don't know about to keep playing. He said, oh, come on, you can do it. Lo and behold, I saw David Deason. I said, brother, I need some healing. So right there in front of God and everything else and never brought in the gospel, he laid his hands on me. And I just closed my eyes and said, you know, I started trying to find him. I felt this heat in the lower part of my back. And, and all of a sudden, man, that pain went away. And I was like, whoa!
hurried off and on to get on the phone and put that baby home. And a week later, or actually a couple of weeks later, she went. He went back to the doctor, and I, she said, you know, well, well, here you go. You know, we'll see the, you know, we'll see the Lord work. And I said, Amen, Mom. So uh, he went back to the doctor and uh, they checked him out. And he was there was nothing wrong. With him. He was free, clear. I mean. That was hard 
Well, I mean, I mean, it's not hard for me to receive you because I knew how I was, and then I knew what God did for me. And I was raised in a church that did not believe in people. They believed that when the perfect has come, then things of just healing and uh, miracles would pass. And their belief was the Bible's perfect, which it is, but their interpretation was that wasn't needed anymore. We had God's word, so we didn't need Jesus. So that I was raised that way, and I, I believe that, and I taught that, and I taught my kids that. So when we got into a church that actually believed and healed, well, I was so blessed that I could believe to be healed and receive healing. But my sons, who I raised, not to believe that, didn't come to church with me, and I totally lost my mind. So I have a second key testimony I wanted to give about my son who's playing college football. And so he doesn't believe in healing, but here he's born is growing so bad he couldn't play college football anymore. So he was so discouraged he came to see us one Sunday. And he came to church with us and I think it was uh, one of our really spirit-filled Services people dance around and we worship him for a long time. When it's over with, we, we encourage him to get prayer for healing. So, out of respect for us, he did not believing in healing, but trusting that, you know, this authority figures in my life and I'm going to do what they've asked me to. So, he went to his dad and his dad prayed for him. And so we went home and we lived on the top of the hill at that time. And he said, I think my leg is well. And I said, Well, why don't you test it out? So he walks to the bottom of the hill and he springs up at the part of the hill. I was paralyzed 
letting go through all of this. And I really believe that it's because the Lord gave me the strength where I was to witness to other people. And um, so I got through all that, and that was nine years ago. Well, in between those nine years, I would be driving my car, and I'd get totally lost. Wouldn't know, didn't know how to get back home, didn't know where I was or anything. We found out I had the brain injury then. And at one point in that time span, I was taking up to 24 pills a day for my brain injury. And I don't take any of that now. Thank you, Lord.